Yes, hello, Tyler S. O'Reilly here. Before we start, just wanted to remind everyone of Bazaar Plus, our membership program where you can get extra episodes every week. Just simply go to the link in the show notes. It's Sports Bazaar. I'm going to kick back and enjoy this. Some of these stories, you would say, that cannot be true. The hunt for the weirdest. It's a real rollercoaster ride, this one, isn't it? <laughs> it makes Game of Thrones look like a sitcom. <laughs> Strangers. There you go. He's on another level. What are you doing? There's a lot of our stories that start with someone <laughs> fleeing moneylenders. Most unbelievable. This is a car crash. Stories to ever occur. I'll stop this right now. <laughs> it's just carnage. That is the densest bit of mayhem. So many <laughs> subplots in this story. In the world of sport. I think we're learning that embarrassment is not something. Sports bizarre. A naked fan ran onto the field and slid into second base. No, I don't drink water. I cannot stand drinking water. I am the president of everybody. I am the president of the whole FIFA. <laughs> Opened his mouth and a sparrow flew out. It's time for the leaders of the hunt. It's really simple. Get there early, get the good back. It's Titus O'Reilly. And Mick Malloy. Welcome to the latest episode of Sports Bazaar with me, Mick Malloy. And as always, I never tire of saying it. In fact, it's the only tiring thing I do in this podcast <laughs> is introduce you. As soon as I've done that, I knock off generally <laughs> and just laugh along. It is the brains behind the operation, Titus O'Reilly. How are you, Titus? Oh, I'm very good. No, I've said this before, but if I'm the brains, that, that makes you the looks. Hello. Hello, girls. Dinner's on. <laughs> if only there were pictures to go with the podcast. Oh, well, there is. You can watch this on YouTube. YouTube. There you go. There you what go. more could you want? We're like, uh, I'm like the Aaron Paul of sports <laughs> broadcasting. <laughs> Who else has been good? That's the only bloke I know on YouTube. His brother, Jake Paul. Jake Paul. But I think, yeah. PewDiePie or whatever his name is. Don't pretend you know. Mr. Beast, I hear that name a bit. Mr. Beast, yeah. Who's Mr. Beast? He plays games, like, and he gives away money. Like computer games, Russian roulette, (laughs) just randomly. But he He gives away stuff. He gives away money. Just gives away money if you follow him and stuff. Uh, We could do a bit of that. Yeah. If you would like to win. Dinner with Mick and Titus. (laughs) I don't know if anyone would. (laughs) What about some stripper dollars? Can we give away? It's it's the old thing. Second prize is two nights with Mick and Titus. (laughs) All right, now uh, what are we so doing? You look exhausted, which means what are we you must for? have been hard at it. <laughs> I have been. Uh, what have is... you? What are you bringing to the table? Well, this one we're going back further in time than we've ever gone before. Oh, what? <laughs> well, not BC. Not BC. <laughs> Although we will one day go back. What would the games be? Well, the oh, gladiators yeah. and uh, uh, like I have a started really mammoth riding. <laughs> gladiators. Oh yeah, the gladiators. Were, and you know what I like about the Greek and Romans in their sport? Because I've read a nudity? bit about this. Later. There's a lot of nudity. But a lot of nudity where the women weren't allowed to come. It was only men only. Yeah, that would be all, the Greeks. <laughs> they also, nothing for losers or second runner-up. You either won or you were nothing to the Greeks. No nanny Greek. state in no, Greece. No, it was the or... polar opposite, right? Like, and if You, you snooze, you lose. Bingo, bingo, yeah. you're out. And if you won, the gods favoured you. And if you didn't. You didn't. A lion would eat you. They just didn't care. <laughs> <laughs> so today we're going back in time. So nowadays, you know, out of the sort of the 19th century, what we know as football in its various forms started to emerge. So we're talking things like in 1845, they sort of say rugby was sort of the rules were drawn up for rugby. Australian rules is 1859. Soccer or association football or what most of the world knows as football now, 1863. Hmm. American football, 1869. Garlic football, 1887. Why? That's that's when they all came along. Why? 
Because well, people had a bit of spare time on their hands. Uh, was life starting to get good? Yeah. We so needed something to. A lot of it came out of the college and uni system out of yeah. Britain. So suddenly organising. I really it. wanted to say it was something about the Industrial Revolution, but I realised <laughs> I know nothing about it. And that's probably not the time. Well, it, was. it just felt right. It felt right. It felt right to say yeah. there was a time of well, turbulence. It was because and, do you know and, why it partly did? You're right, as yes. always. Even when you don't know why you're right. <laughs> <laughs> it, suddenly people had more time to be able to do this properly. Yeah. So it was interesting a lot of the uni students came up with these organised games because yeah. before that you tended to only play sport once or twice a year. We'll <laughs> get into why because it, purely know, amateur, like purely. purely amateur and you'd play it like literally you were out in the fields working all the time yeah. to be able to have enough food to eat. There wasn't a lot of time to go and. You know, yeah. let's go and play an organised sport every weekend. It's like, no, you're in the fields, mate, oh, you know. Uh, what about Kidditch? Quidditch? Quidditch. When was that big? The, the sport of Quidditch. Can, can we just say before, I know you try and derail me as you often do. The sport of Quidditch, yeah. while invented by J.K. Rowling, yes. is now a real sport oh, stop it. that people play. Except you'd be surprised when they don't actually fly on their brooms. They just run around on them. But well, it's, what's the point? Well, do you know, but this is true because the Australia have a team called the Drop Bears and we won the World Cup a few <laughs> oh, years ago. I'm not joking. You've got too much fit. No, this is Andy, true. And you know my favourite shit is I was reading up on this ages ago and <laughs> the real version of Quidditch that people play, it's one of the rarest sports because it's mixed, right? Yeah. Men and women play in the same team together. Of course. And it's full contact. Wow. So all these people leeting about gender and transgender people, go look at Quidditch. Yeah. Everyone can play. If you want to take out someone smaller than you, go I'd like to be it. the first ever pitch invader. <laughs> be hard. No flying. That's like those medieval games where no one gets hurt. Let's go out into a disused footy pitch and pretend we're running at each other. The one we're going to talk about today is medieval. Oh, I love the medieval era. And isn't the opposite of safe. <laughs> We're going to talk about the first mentions of anything to do with football, of which all those sports I mentioned before all emerged from. Right. But really what we're getting to today, you know, every now and then you hear that they've found a tree in a deep valley or a fish that has survived from prehistoric times and uh -huh. they say, this is a look back in time that you'd never see. Yeah. There are several games that are still played to this day of this medieval football. And wow. everywhere else it's been banned or they've gone on and we're going to talk uh, about some of them now okay. as well. Football, as we know it, we're just going to focus on England, Scotland, Wales and Ireland and a little bit of France. So we're not going to yeah. – now people might write and say, oh, but there's ball games that are happening in like the Aztec Empire or whatever. It's true and we'll do that another day. <laughs> I just don't want to – yeah. I don't have time to read all the emails. <laughs> but – we're talking about what emerged. So there's one reference to ball games being played in southern Britain prior to the Norman Conquest yes. in 1066. So it's in the Historia Britannum, which is in the 9th century and it was written by a monk and it, they were saying that a group of boys were playing at ball and that's the first ever reference wow. written down of any of by this sort of thing. By a monk. And that's from either southern England or Wales. I mean, they were vague on the <laughs> borders back then, right? they got a bit of spare time in their hands. Exactly. You'd have to write it because he's taking a vow of silence. <laughs> They'd be quiet games of footy. No singing. This is also in northern France, there's games called Le Soul. The ball was, you were able to hit it with hands, feet, sticks, and that was dated from the 12th century. Right. And a legend that comes out of these French and English games, especially in England, is they all emerge from 
soldiers decapitating someone and kicking was, around a head. I was going to say this. Yeah. I actually was going to say that. There is no evidence of this. It's just, <laughs> off of the head. The, now what are we going to do? Yeah. yeah. So there's rumours of past. You know, like executions after yeah. like someone's been executed. They, I'm sure it happened. But there's also Executed? That, you don't think where you're kicking up and down on your foot yeah. over your head, <laughs> shoulder to shoulder. So that was one way. One way it used to be called kicking the Danes' head, so the Viking invaders if they ever – and when you read medieval stories of what they used to do to each other, this is entirely plausible. No. There's just no actual there were no rules. of it. There were no there rules. No. Cruelty There's wasn't. no everyone gets a prize in the medieval era. <laughs> if you took a medieval person and put them in our world now, oh my the God. OH&S rules oh, and, and high-vis What vests. would they do? Don't yell at your children. <laughs> Imagine that. Uh, we have um, to take that axe off you. Why? So there's all these records that come through of various games of something involving a ball. Very right. vague. Don't mention like hands or anything. We get something where instead of goals, there was teams attempting to kick the pig's bladder that would get blown up. Oh, well, that's not far from where we are today. Yeah, and they would try and kick it into the balcony of the opponent's church. <laughs> Well, now you've got me interested in religion. Do you know what used to happen is people would blow up these pig bladders, you know, instead of a ball or even before rubber was invented to quite late, a pig bladder would be inside a leather ball yeah. and they would have to blow it up using just their mouth and they would Oof. often get sick because it's a pig's bladder. It's a pig's bladder. <laughs> <laughs> and I could just imagine someone saying, what happened to Gary? Oh, he died blowing up the ball. <laughs> blowing up the ball. It's your turn this month. <laughs> So Could you tell by looking at a pig if they had a good bladder? Would you go into the, a piggery? Yeah, and go. Oh, look at that oh, one. That's going. To oh, be that's one. this is a big clash. That one. <laughs> that's the special pig. <laughs> look at that. What do you do? You go and pull a tail. <laughs> You'd be surprised how little I know about pigs. <laughs> oh, I reckon you've eaten a few today. <laughs> I reckon I was there with you. Now um, you can have the bladder. I'll have the rest. Terrific. <laughs> So the earliest reference to a ball game being played by university students comes from 1303. So we're going right back here. What was number one on the jukebox? You know when you're trying to find who was the biggest star, what was the song of the day, it would have been the loot. Loot, loot classics of great. Harpsichord. What did they used to have? Hit Parade, 1303. It's a classic. Right. Um, this is what it said in, the, in one of the references. Thomas of Salisbury, a student of Oxford University, found his brother Adam dead and it was alleged that he was killed by Irish students while playing the ball in the high street towards Eastgate. This is the reference. Always blaming the Irish students. Irish, yes. That would have started a war. (laughs) So that's one of the earlier ones. Another account that's similar in it, and shows you how dangerous these games were, Hmm. and we still at this point didn't really know much about what these games were like, but there was an account of a kicking ball game from England, 1321. The reason we know about it is a dispensation, meaning basically a a plea to be let off from a crime, was granted by Pope John the Twenty Second, yep. and he wrote to William de Spalding in Norfolk, and he said during the ball game, what had happened is someone had kicked the ball, and a lay friend of his, also called William, ran against him and wounded himself on a sheath knife carried by the other person so severely that he died within six days. Did they keep playing? Or? <laughs> and what? so the Pope said, "Dispossession is granted as no blame is attached to William de Spalding." who, feeling deeply the death of his friend and fearing that he might, what might be said to his enemies, has applied to the Pope. So the Pope wrote back and said, I forgive you. In those days, a pardon from the Pope would trump 
everything. Anything, right? Good to go. So someone's worn a knife into one of these and someone else has run into it. So this is sort of going on. The oldest surviving ball that we have goes back to 1540 from Scotland. Yeah. Um, and it's made from leather and a pig's bladder. It was discovered in 1981 in the roof structure of a queen's chamber at Stirling Castle. Someone was decided to clean out the attic. So it's on the roof. It's the original tennis ball in the gutter. <laughs> yeah. it's, it's the first ever. Can someone go and get the ball? You're going to have to ask the neighbours. And it only took 400 years. <laughs> I'll get it down later. Wow. Um, so that's we actually have that going very far back. There's no name to this, right? It's yet, just random... Know? various different types of it's called football but it seems to be you could carry kick do whatever okay. and this is when we get to some of the modern ones that still survive we'll see what these games sure. were like because we've we've got the insight from that in scotland that was said that these games were just incredibly violent and to give you an idea for perhaps for the first time ever we've got a poem to read out on Sports Bazaar, oh, which, well, what an which I can't believe it's yeah. taken this long. I just automatically sat up straight. It's a pity you didn't bring your loot. We could have, <laughs> I could have, you could have played in the round. Well, so, here we go. <laughs> so this is the 16th century poem, so, you know, 15 something. Bruised muscles and broken bones, discordant strife and futile blows, lamed in old age, then crippled with all, these are the beauties of football. Oh, short but sweet. Isn't that amazing? It's true today. But it basically saying you're going to be crippled in old age. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Enjoy it. Enjoy it. You'll have fun. So this is where we get into something. You've requested this for a long time. We're going to just touch on it here. It's not the full thing we're going to do later on, but you've often asked about the royals and sport. Sure, yes. So the history of football in England and France is the kings trying to ban it. Like repeatedly. The King of France? And England, all of them, not just one, mm. all over and over. It just keep finding laws being passed saying or decrees saying stop playing stop football. Stop playing it. And everyone catch ignoring you. it. <laughs> right? <laughs> and to just disobey the king in those days yeah, is a big all the thing, time. right? So a, in England. Off your head, your head yeah, becomes the ball. That's right. It's like don't, now kings from three separate English royal dynasties. So Edward the Second, Edward the Third, Richard the Second, Henry the Fourth, Edward the Fourth, Henry the Eighth, famous Henry the Eighth. Henry the Fifth got sent the tennis balls, remember? <laughs> yeah, that's according true. to Shakespeare. Yeah, by the Dauphin. Okay, I'm again. I'm out of my depth. <laughs> but he, I think that started a war. You being do not sent want tennis to, balls. Yeah, you do not want to uh, reveal to the public that, despite your larrikin background, you're actually a, a Shakespeare scholar. Move on. <laughs> 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 right now I'm wearing pantaloons. Yeah, people think you're like, let's go have a beer at the pub with this Blake, but when you hang out with you behind the scenes, it's all Shakespeare. <laughs> and it'll be a couple of meads. <laughs> and you do it in the original old English. I it's do. so weird. Oh, I do. <laughs> <laughs> so they were all trying to ban it. Now the reason they all tried to ban it, one of the main reasons, there were a few. Mob violence was one because these are very violent and games and they right. – they would just involve huge amounts of people. From the thousands. players or from the spectators? Both. Both, yeah, full on. It was always seen as a lower class sport, yeah. so they didn't like that. One of the main reasons, this was a legitimate reason, is they feared the game distracted from archery practice. And archery right. practice, when you send people off the wall, 
because they were doing a lot is and you know the longbow was pretty the important to the, was a game changer the longbow game, wasn't absolute it? game changer we'll do that in our archery Jeez. but the, so it killed medieval like up until then it was blokes running at each other in the mud yeah hand-to-hand combat next thing you Suddenly, go you got a longbow coming yeah, in so having all the peasants being able the field, to shoot a longbow what, what the hell was really useful so if we're running at people with a ball less good in war <laughs> So they really was it. So in 1314, Nicholas de Fandone, who's the Lord Mayor of City of London, issued a decree of part of King Edward II. He banned football. Yeah. This is the decree. I've obviously translated this from Latin. <laughs> Have you? Well, um, someone else for you. did. For as much as there is a great noise in the city caused by hustling over large footballs in the fields of the public, from which many evils might arise that God forbid... Mm. We command and forbid on behalf of the king on pain of imprisonment such game to be used in the city in the future. So saying you can't play anywhere or you'll be locked up. This also happened in France. Philippe V in 1331, he also banned it as well. Edward III did another one in 1363. And this is what keeps happening because they put them out, the declaration saying it's banned. And they just shift the... No one stops, no one stops. right? It's like... <laughs> they started up under another name. Yeah, basically. King Edward III, he said, Moreover, we ordain that you prohibit under penalty of imprisonment all and sundry from such stone, wood and iron throwing. So they were sports. Yeah. Handball, football or hockey, coursing and cockfighting or other such idle games. These were all banned. So it's just wow. a history of it. Richard II did the same thing in 1388. In 1409, King Henry IV, he put a ban on the levying of money for football. It's unclear whether this was – people were obviously charging people to both either play or watch. Yeah. So he said, he said you can't pay people. You can still play football, but it's got to be for yeah. free. He then turned around and banned it almost straight away and then imposed fines of 20 shillings on mayors and bailiffs who allowed football to occur in their towns. Crikey. That's the first time we have outside of London that this is just widespread, right? Yeah. Everyone is playing it wherever. At the time, it becomes really popular to play this at Shrovetide, which is before Lent throughout London. Right. So this is still when some of the games we're going to get to get played. Amazingly, Henry VIII, he of the many wives, he, it's been discovered, actually ordered a pair of football boots. The first ever football boots we know in existence okay. were ordered by him. He did a shopping list, and this is in 1526. He put together a whole list of things he wanted, and one of them were there, and they were all handmade by his cordwainer, which is <laughs> named for shoemaker, Cornelius Johnson, and this was the it's like order. a foot milliner. Yeah. He put in an order for just these are six months worth of shoes, 80 pairs. Okay, can I say something? This is a good opportunity. We've got the Air Jordans. <laughs> so if someone released Nike, Adidas, the Henry VIII, the Air Henrys, and the, 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 the Air Henrys and yeah. the – you know, the king. Forget King James. The king of this football This is the boots. real king. This is it. Oh, there's a marketing. There's a massive Somebody, marketing. Give me a you, cut, Nike. You better. This is the order from Henry VIII yeah. for his Air Henrys, apart from the Air Henrys. He ordered 10 pairs of English leather boots, 10 pairs of Spanish leather buskins. What's, what's a buskin? I think it's like almost like a sort of a slipper. 
a, a pair of velvet buskins. Hello. Not many shoes for after made dark, out of <laughs> for, not, for night games. <laughs> yeah, just sneaking into. I don't think there's many velvet shoes these days. Well, velvet, a pair of velvet shoes would be good with the old, the oldie style smoking jacket. Yeah. He also ordered another 38 pairs of velvet shoes in purple. Oh, yeah, purple dapper. He ordered some in black and crimson. He ordered three pairs of slippers in black velvet. Yeah, it didn't seem to me to have the physique. From well, paintings I've seen, it didn't seem to me well, to be the most young, athletic. He was very of, fit, and then he put on the weight later on. When he started eating, like, turkey <laughs> with his hands. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He, he ordered three pairs of arming shoes, which I imagine are for fighting in, six pairs of English leather shoes, another six pairs of shoes in Spanish leather, and then the football boots. And that's the Air Henrys. And that's all in <laughs> for six months. Despite all this, he's still bad football. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, yeah. Elizabeth I, she banned them as well. Once again, she was very worried about archery. Yeah. So she said, no, nah, we're not doing it. So from 1314 to 1527, no less than nine European monarchs made it a specific offence to play football. They just keep banning it. So over like an early and over. royal FIFA. Yeah, yeah what I mean, they're yeah, deciding yeah, yeah. who so, plays where and when and what. And, you know. So then, of course, Oliver Cromwell comes along. And gets oh, rid of the he's a spoils. He ruined everything. Well, this is just typical of like, you know these people, right? He left Cambridge University in 1617. Yeah. And when he left, he was described as one of the chief matchmakers and players of football during really? his time. Yeah, so he loved football when he was at uni, right? Wow. Despite this, in 1649, long after that, he's – Obviously, there's the execution of Charles I and Oliver Cromwell takes over as the Lord Protectorate, right? Yep. Straight away, he bans football, cockfighting, bear baiting, horse racing and Boo. wrestling. Isn't this like the guy? Who's a killjoy? A, this, a killjoy and a tight ass. Yeah. Isn't, yeah. It, isn't this like the older people that ban, want to ban nightclubs or drinking? Yeah. When you, They've had a great you run them themselves. You knew them when they were, tw- when they oh, were young, yeah. they went nuts. I, yeah. yeah and then they turn around and go, the music's too loud. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Oh, you don't want us to do drugs? Well, I'm surprised that he left after the way you behaved in the 60s. <laughs> yes, yeah, no, you get it straight away. Kids these days, you know, with yeah. their footballing. So he banned it. Charles II, who restored the monarchy, he straight away bans it as well. Like he was straight away doing it. So these all start to go in a sharp decline. In the 19th century, a Highways Act in 1835 is passed, which says you can't play football on roads at all. It's banned. Okay. So that's where by sort of the 19th and 20th century, that forces it into places like universities that have grass. Grass and fields. Fields. Dedicated areas. Dedicated areas. And they all start to formalise. I had no idea up until then it was played on. Wherever. Fields. And we'll see there's on the few that remain through towns, wherever. It doesn't matter. Just It was just, it was total chaos. Suddenly you're not allowed to play it in the street or on any public highway or anything like that. Okay. It's forced into fields or universities, people with time, and they start to... Into designated And uni students spaces. with too much time on their hands and procrastinating from doing their essays, I bet, oh, be start right. coming up with lots of rules. They yeah. spend more time. Like, I should be writing my essay, but instead I've written the rules for soccer. <laughs> <laughs> you just know that's what happened, right? A bunch a of blokes all in the one. Yeah. So this is all happening, and so all these big old mob football games all start to die. So in 932, there was one in County Durham that got cancelled. It had been very popular. It had even had a footbridge collapse under the weight of spectators in 1891 
that didn't stop. But it yeah. was decided the damage to the town and the violence was too much. So yeah. they start clearing. This happens everywhere. To the point now today there are two or three major ones in England that are left. So the first one we're going to talk about is the Atherston ball game. It's yep. called it and it's in Atherston. It is in Warwickshire and it's a medieval football game that has not changed. It's played on Shrove Tuesday and it began in the year 1199. Are you telling me this is still played? Still played. Wow. In fact, we'll talk about this year's one, which was played in February this year okay. on Shrove Tuesday. So when it was formed, King John was on the English throne. Robin Hood was supposedly running through. <laughs> was not, he? Yeah. Well, but this is the same time as that, yeah, right? Yeah, Even yeah. Whether he was real. All that stuff was happening. And there was one thing that sort of set off people's minds. is agreed between two towns, Warwickshire and Leicestershire, that there would be a match of gold, which was basically a sack of gold would be fought over by the men of each village. Fantastic. As a bit of a game, right? And was it an annual event? Was it? Well, it started off as a one-off. Yeah. So all the men from both towns got together and the goalposts were separated by several miles, like a couple of miles. So these yeah. are playing not like on a football field over miles. No, territory between the towns, yeah. I'm guessing. And so yeah. basically you had to carry it to the other town, right? Okay. And that was how you scored. So this is where like… How many members was it? Was there? Thousands. Thousands. So pretty much any able-bodied Anyone man was allowed up. to play. So this is like getting over the try line or, or scoring a touchdown and you're getting into the other person's territory. Yes. This was literally you had to get into their village yeah. and take the sack of gold in this right. case. But all of them were like Could this, you take right? their women? Well, I I'm sure was there a was a lot of thing at the time that was quite popular. <laughs> I'm going to sack your that, town, take let's your women. Be honest, the Me Too movement was still… <laughs> It's still a millennial. It's not as strong as it is today. No, not quite that. So there are no referees and the nature of the match was just brutal. So there's they played for hours. There was kicking, fighting, punching, gouging, and eventually the Warwickshire lads, they won. And just so we're clear, so this is carrying as well as kicking the ball anything and you throwing do. the ball. Right. Anything, and... yeah, anything to move the ball forward, yeah. right? In that time, it's been played every year since it carried on through the Black Death. Two world wars. Oh, you right? gotta keep playing it even through like, yeah. Black Death. Look, oh, get, you know get up, it, you loser. I've got the plague. Oh, he's bugging it on. The first dive. Get, There's which, a guy claiming to have the plague. Yeah, yeah exactly. Guess which one is the first time, one year since 1199. They didn't play it? COVID. COVID. They wow. played through the Black Death, <laughs> but they stopped for COVID. Like, can you believe it? I mean, if that just tells you how much far, how we've, come. far we've come. So this game has always been played and nothing stopped it. In 1901, an attempt by police and local authorities, they tried to ban it mm. and there was a vote put to the town council who overwhelmingly rejected the ban. <laughs> they said, get stuff. Yeah. you got to remember, everywhere else in England, it's pretty much become banned, right, Yeah, this game. There used to be a prison workhouse on Long Street, the main street in this town. Mm. When it was there, they used to kick the ball during the game over the wall of the inmates to let them join in on the fun. You see, that's inclusive. Talk about bringing the community together. I love it. During the Second World War, the ball was filled with tobacco and sent to the troops in France from the village and North Africa to like give them. Fantastic. It first got covered on BBC Radio 934 and footage of it was shown on television in 1958. In the 70s, the game was played all over the town. Yep. So the idea was 
we'll get to the rules a bit, but basically you've got to hold on to the ball and whoever's holding the ball at the end of the time when wins. Time. Okay. So it's this huge rolling mall of so bodies. That's interesting. So there's no geographical no or anything conquest. With this one. Yeah. yeah. And you've got to do anything to hold onto the ball, right? Now what happens is they say in the 70s one particular one ended up got a bit out of hand, <laughs> which they don't really go into <laughs> details with. And the ball used to end up in the Coventry Canal regularly, so they couldn't actually get the ball. Well, what happens That's the end of it. I think it's like when a ball gets hit over the fence, you go, oh, we're yeah, stop playing. Six it out. So they made it so it's only on Long Street, right, which is this main street of this thing. In 1986, a public meeting was held to determine the game's future as the violence was extreme. They decided to form a ball game committee <laughs> that now runs it all and they now have people who are stewards who mix with the crowd. They're in like... They're in high-vis jackets and they sort of try and keep it. But to say that they're hands-off would be an understatement, right? <laughs> but in 2020, one of the major times where something went really awry, a steward had a stunning total of five cardiac arrests at one particular match. match and made it through. He survived. <laughs> they play on. Play on. They don't stop for anything, That's right? That's what I'm talking about. 2001, it almost stopped because there's an outbreak of foot and mouth disease. <laughs> But they decided to go ahead and at that point they were the only one being played these Shrove Tide matches in the country because Ashbourne, which we'll get to next, it had been cancelled. So they, yeah. a lot of things. In the 2019 game, so much violence broke out that the chairman, Rob Bernard, suggested that they were threatening the game's future. Yeah. In the past when things got out of hand, we put it out there that the future of the ball game is under threat and it calms down a bit the following year but then it comes back again. It's the nature <laughs> of it. They're fairly casual about it. Yeah. Now, the game is there is a specially made leather ball, which has red, white, and blue ribbons tied into the stitching. Yeah. It's almost double a basketball, right. and it's filled with water at the beginning of the game, so it's not filled with air. So that's pretty heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. Right? Now, one of the rules is the ball may legitimately be deflated or hidden after 4.30 on the day it's played. <laughs> you can pop the ball. Yeah, basically. The water pours out of it over time anyway, right? The rules are it's a two-hour game. It's played in the town's main street, so two hours this goes for. It's got few rules. It's got two main rules. Uh, the first one is it's restricted to Long Street. Yeah. The second rule is you're not allowed to kill anyone. Fair enough. That's yeah. it. That seems harsh, but all right. <laughs> That's, they're the rules. They're, they're, they're the, the rules. total rules. They're the rules. So it is just this rolling mall of bodies and Beyond that, fists go about your business. and kicking and gouging Fantastic. and you can do anything. God, right? I'd love to see that. You, you, the, the videos online are amazing. Can you go to that? Yeah, you can show up and they're not particularly welcoming of people from uh, out of to, to play. I'm happy not to play. So, yeah, yeah. They're quite happy. Well, I'm happy to, to come off the bench. <laughs> I'm happy to come off the bench. The winner's declared at 5 p.m. with whoever is holding the ball when the whistle sounds. So they try and keep groups of men. How, how do they break them into teams again, though? They were, this one, they're all from the one town. They're all from the one town. You no, know, you just set up your own group of, oh. like, what happens is the tactics, of because there's no rules apart from not killing anyone, is the tactics vary. Some people just go in it themselves, but most of them form little groups of mates, so 10 mates. You can lone wolf together. it. Yeah, you can, but mainly what happens yeah, is like someone will hold the ball and then the other mates will stand around them and try and defend them, right? The organisers say they strongly advise that alcohol substance consumption is not recommended. Yeah. And they say they'll remove anyone who's drunk too much. 
I imagine there's a bit of drinking before they start. So. If you just, it's not a safe place to be sober, to be honest. <laughs> no, I mean, if you've got to go into that having environment. This way, the way they fight, you don't want to be too drunk either. Yeah. Like I think it's like we talked about stand-up comedy. You want it's a happy medium. <laughs> Ahead of the game itself, all the shops on Long Street are boarded up. Of course they are. All the windows, there's not. They're all like a hurricane. You know those scenes from America when the hurricanes coming. Yeah. It looks like it's sure. exactly like that. Local children are allowed to leave school early on the day to come watch. So the school's closed. Is there panic buying? <laughs> the school. The only places that are open are the pubs. That's well, you'd hope so. That'd be a safe haven. Yeah. And, That's the only place. They're gonna need somewhere to go afterwards. Yeah, exactly. And they do go afterwards. <laughs> Ahead of the game, sweets and pennies are thrown to the local children. Oh, that's lovely. This is all the tradition going back ages. The ribbons on the ball, they get pulled off as the game is played. And if you capture one, you get a prize as well. So you don't have to focus on the ball. You can focus on the ribbons. Some people get that. There's also a special golden penny thrown into the crowd as well. That people. It's all get. happening. So the game starts at 3pm and usually a celebrity guest in the area. It's not like one that we would necessarily always know, but sometimes it's someone might be. Rolf Harris. <laughs> Rolf Harris, Jimmy Sebastian. <laughs> all the greats. <laughs> so a local celebrity. What, like uh, well, they had uh, one, the butcher? The, the, the one the butcher, they had this year, they had the guy who cancelled it for COVID. They got him. He got out alive? So he, he got in it. And what happens is they all gather in the street and someone throws it from the upset balcony of the Atherston conservative club which is known locally as the connie so it's thrown out of the sort of the second floor window wow. into the crowd and it starts gameplay it says can be quite intense as they compete um and often clothes are torn off there's violence the new zealand herald once went they described it as combining all the best aspects of the ufc volleyball and gloucester's famous cheese wheel chase oh the ch- of course so it's they all combined going the two now, apparently what happens is around 3 p.m. when the ball is let into the crowd and because it goes for two hours, the first hour is people just kicking the ball around to each other. People get photos with yeah. it. It's Kids can even come in and touch the ball. It's sure. it's pretty light on. Yeah. Then it says at 4 p.m. the groups move in. <laughs> <laughs> You've had your fun. So this is like, okay, uh, there's now to go. Now we're civilians okay. get out of here. And that's where they all get in there and decide to really try and step the ball and hold on to it. And usually it's one holding on, often cowering on the ground while <laughs> 10 blokes stand around and trying to punch everyone. They try and get into an alley or they try and get into a shop front, like, you know, where the door is, there's a bit of a thing. And there's a vision of this of them just, it's basically just an all-in brawl. Trying to stave off Stave off attacks. people getting it. And then if someone gets it, there's, you know, and there's just steam coming off everyone and it is just Incredible. people getting knocked over. People keep rotating in and out too because you can't stay in this for long. Yeah. It's pretty exhausting, right? Now, this is a police interview that was done about a year ago. It's policed by officers and members of the West Midlands Ambulance Service. They've got a busy day. That's a busy day for them. Sergeant Neil Purcell, he said that he's been involved with policing it for nearly two decades. And he stressed that there is an acceptance of a level of violence is involved, right? Because he's a local, he's all for it. He says, look, we accept the level of violence is, is in this more than normal. He said, I've placed the ball game on and off for nearly 20 years and due to its nature and traditional values, <laughs> there will always be a level of violence involved. The people who take part, spectate, and the actual players are all aware of this. 
However, if any violence does take place, it will be highlighted to the town council for review. So okay. basically the police go, we'll point it out to the town council. It's up to you. It's up to you. We've right? done our you bit. Know. He says, the ball game is unique and has been part of the Atherston culture and tradition for over 800 years and it's organised for the local community. And then he said, and this was after the game when he gave this interview, so he's talked about how important it is and yep. he says it's organised by the town council and local community for the local community. Yep. This is his next quote. The report of someone's ear being ripped off has not been reported and no police officer or paramedic at the ball game was made aware of this injury. <laughs> I'm sure the... So it really the, escalates. The, the ear will become there. a prize like the ribbons. <laughs> yeah, Some guy turned up in the ear. I got the ear. Now, the chief ball game marshal, he gave an interview um, as well. His name is um, Noel Johnson and he says this event is incredibly important, right? Yeah. He said, it's our Christmas day. Everyone looks forward to it. It takes a lot of hard work to get the ball game on each year and it wouldn't happen without the marshals who rely on year in, year out, as well as the sponsors. And he points out it's for charity. So lots of money's raised around this, right? The yes. ball goes and visits all these. He says, in weeks leading up, the ball goes on tour to schools, sporting clubs, all sorts of places. We know some scores will be settled during it. <laughs> 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 from what previous years or yeah he said, from, and, and just uh, i think like stuff if, uh, if stuff you, outside of the game if you want to settle a score he says we're aware that Let's that happens it. right like this is where the police are not exactly it's the one day it's, it's like, like that what do they call that night where you're allowed to kill anyone oh the, the, move, purge. the movie the purge. the purge it's a bit it's like, like the purge. let's you settle go, all our whatever's happened during the year you can settle it in this two-hour window would you like a night like that Gee, you'd be busy. Mate, you'd be, be busier I'd, than the Santa Claus. I'd need a lie down after that. <laughs> it's a lot of I'd, I'd a long going list. bonkers. <laughs> uh, so he says that and he says um, some of the things that have happened this year weren't on. He said in one bit. It was out of order <laughs> and they've been spoken to. I love that there's a line drawn. So there is rules even though there's no rules. There's, the there's, no rules means you still don't be... No triple homicides. Yeah, no killing anyone. And and I think they're a bit like it's all right to punch on when you're going for the ball and everything. But don't. Just, but don't just settle it up with Bob from the butchers. because No you, sniping 200 metres off look, the ball. Yeah, because you think he looked at your wife the wrong way. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a tiny village, right? There's going to yeah. be some scores, right? Yeah, I love what he says. That some of the things that happened this year weren't on. It's okay. very ominous. He said, these things have happened for years. When I was a young lad, it was far worse. But there were, wasn't mobile phones or Facebook to capture it all. <laughs> we keep coming back to those bloody Ruining mobile everything. phones. He says all the people see is a few minutes where it kicked off from the other side of the ball game. He, they don't see it all coming together. He said everyone shares in the history of the event and it all gets forgotten afterwards, right? Fantastic. The 2023 game in February this year was quite interesting because on social media, and you might have even seen this, some of the people listening now, there was a guy in orange sort of high-vis pants and him and his mates, one of his mates had the ball and him and a group of them had gotten to the doorway of a William Hill betting shop <laughs> and it was in the dying like 20 minutes yeah. and it's just footage of him and his mates just roundhouse punching and kicking because he's been lifted up above the crowd yes. and he's just kicking people as hard as he can and it's just a full brawl like and this went viral and everyone said this is awful right <laughs> so they tracked down who it is and the guy was a guy called and they won these guys who's called reese johnson he's 23 year old laborer and he's from that town and because he had these distinctive 
trousers. Yeah. Here's the bit the social media went everywhere. Like a death row jumpsuit, it sounds yeah. like to well, me. Well, all the media show up, international media, because it went viral, to go try and stir up, like, wasn't well, this guy a thug outrageous? And the town goes, no, he's the most valuable player that year. <laughs> They just like they call him a hero. They was, go, he was like, it was like a hand of God goal. <laughs> yeah, they were like, he's the he was one of the best players. The hand of God kicked to the face. Yeah, they, every, call it. they were trying to get people stirred up and angry about but, it. That was the opposite. Everyone's going, what are you talking about? Our, that's the game, yeah. right? Everyone he kicked Outplayed. knew this was the game, yeah. right? And they were doing it too. His parents said they were incredibly proud of his competitive <laughs> performance. <laughs> what they managed to do is get the ball and they fought people off. The whole time, yeah. they were, two of his mates were underneath, clinging to the ball for twenty minutes as this oh, went on. They deserve high praise too. Yeah. He said that they were all locals. It was mainly them against a group of farmers from nearby Grendon Village that they were fighting <laughs> off. So they all know each other, right? Yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. like you know, uh, those farmers would have been hard at it too. They yeah. Oh yeah. The that's land the, and then this is the thing, the right? Paddock. His mum, Katie, said he was part of the wedding team along with his two brothers, so he thoroughly enjoyed it. Everyone knows what it's like. <laughs> This is the media trying to stir yeah. up the trouble. His dad is Noel Johnson, who is the guy, the chief marshal. Yes. So he was very proud of his son Ooh, for right. doing this. He won the game back in 1995. He says, it's just a bit of fun. That's all he said. <laughs> it's a bit harmless fun. <laughs> now, one of the things that also emerged from the, this year's game is there was a photograph of a guy with an enormous swollen black eye. It turns out that this was a guy called Danny Riley who's described as the Lionel Messi of the Grendon Village team. <laughs> he's the guy. Yeah. So he's known as like one of the best players. Yeah. What It says one analyst said, <laughs> said that he was held down and beaten to stop him com- com- they came early for on. Him. They came and took him out. They took him out. Yeah, within minutes of the start to stop his participation, right? But because he was not killed, play continued, (laughs) right? The Chief Marshal Johnson, who's, remember, his son won this competition on the other side. Yeah. This just shows you, he said, I saw Danny's injury and took him to first aid. This is this huge black eye. I don't know how it happened. He could have fallen over or hit it on a lamp post. (laughs) Could have happened before the game started. You don't know. You just don't know. Could be an eye infection. (laughs) So hard to know. How the giant self-inflicted? I don't know. Just careless. You gotta look where he's walking. Local woman Jill, who was drinking in the pub after the game, was asked about it, and she said, "I know one man who had to have his nose straightened out in the con club afterwards, but there were no serious injuries. People love it. The men go mad. The shirts all get ripped off. It is great for us ladies to see some nice fit lads." Now there it is. Everyone's having a great day. <laughs> Keep your nose out of it, everybody. <laughs> She said, they're all friends afterwards until next year and we'll all start again. It's a proper sport. Oh, I love it. We're going. So that's Atherton. Yeah. Our next one is Ashbourne, which is called the Ashbourne Royal Shrovetide Football is the official name. It's got 9,000 people live in this town and it's in the Midlands. It is also medieval football game, but it's slightly different. It's played on Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday. So right. it goes over two days. Okay. There's a break in between it. But for two eight-hour hours, sort of break where you like, to do, like yeah. uh, clean up your dead. <laughs> exactly, go and get bury the, the dead. <laughs> bury the dead. Go get the injured. It's known locally as Hugball, 
and it's been played since at least 1667, although the exact origins of the games are unknown due to a fire at the Royal Shrove Type Committee office in the 1890s, which destroyed all the records. Right. Yeah. Oh, whenever records get destroyed in a fire, yeah. I always think, what did they say? <laughs> I think of Mar-a-Lago. <laughs> <laughs> so they have a role of honour that goes back to 1891 after that fire, that they kept, which shows who wins each week. It's been shut a few times 1968 and 2001 it was cancelled because of outbreaks of foot and mouth disease because yep. it's very rural Fair areas enough. and in 2021 it was also stopped for covid but during the world wars the game was played including the ashbourne regiment even played a version of the pitch in the german trenches during the first world war As if they didn't have their hands full already <laughs> oh, let's take a break from this fighting <laughs> With some more fighting. <laughs> yeah. Let's fight each other. Yeah, we, let's like, let's, we let's blow off some it. steam. <laughs> right? Wow. Apparently <laughs> on uh, 7th of March 1916, the First World War, a battalion of the Sherwood Foresters Regiment played a game while stationed in a French village. They didn't care. And they actually wrote back to the town and said, don't stop the game just because we're at war. Keep going. Uh, good on them. So That's they the were like, Yeah, they were like. Now, gained royal status when a ball was presented to Princess Mary in 1922 on her wedding day. <laughs> That's a thoughtful gift. We've had a whip around. Yeah. The future King Edward VIII, who was the Prince of Wales at the time in 1928, he was the heir to the throne and he threw out the ball. So there's a, a plinth, a column that you stand on, sort of plinth thing, and you throw the ball out to the crowd, sure. right? And so someone is honoured with that. So he got to do that. Is Prince of Wales at the time, and legend has it that he dived in enthusiastically into the scrum after he threw after it. After he threw ball it, out. yeah, a bit of stage diving yep. from yep. the plinth. He had to be pulled out five minutes later with a bloodied nose. <laughs> <laughs> he, knew, he knew the risks. Yeah, they did. Oh, like, that's a good monarch, though. Yeah, yeah. Didn't he, see Prince Edward doing that on "It's a Royal Knockout." <laughs> we'll get to that one day. Prince Charles, now King Charles, threw the ball out in two thousand and three to he? start to kick it off. He said in the lead up to the game about an hour before him, he was interviewed, he said, plenty of people seem to have tried over the years to stop this great tradition of Shrovetide football. But even over the two world wars, the men on active service wrote asking it should be carried on. Now, why was it that they did that? Because they said it's one of the things they were fighting for, part of the old traditional England that has survived innovations and inventions. All I can say is you've got to keep it going somehow or other. Wow. So he said, because people are always trying to shut yep. it down. The starting point where you throw the ball from yeah. has been in the same spot for as long as anyone can remember, like literally centuries. It was in originally a meadow called Chawcroft. Since then, that's been turned into a, a supermarket was built there and a car park. So in the middle of the car park is this giant plinth. And they still throw it from there? <laughs> So they like they, when they they had to agree to keep it there. That's fantastic. So that's where King Charles threw it from. The supermarket they agreed to let them keep doing this and put it in the car park. In the 1960s, one match was literally played through the Woolworths. <laughs> Clean up aisle five with the participants briefly looting while passing through. Well, why wouldn't you? I would have thought it's a little snack. Now, once again, this is <laughs> shuts down for the two day events. Schools time their school holidays around. It. Of course they do. So they're on school holidays. All the businesses are closed. They're all boarded up as well. Signs approaching the town centre state 
cars are parked at their owner's risk. Yep. Fair Numerous enough. times people who like not from the town have left their cars parked and they've just been totally destroyed. And you wouldn't get insurance for that round of shit. I think they just no one yeah. no one people just go bad luck. Who's go, mate? Well, not, you knew the rules. Now their ball is a special ball. It's larger than a football, about twice the size of a football or a basketball. It's filled with Portuguese cork to help the ball float when it ends up in the river. Which it will. Which it will. Which it absolutely <laughs> will. It's hand-painted by a local craftsman for the occasion. Lovely. So it's done really well. When the ball is gold, so in this one we'll get into what, how you do that, but you score goals in this. It's not who holds it at the end. Right. It's repainted with the name of the scorer and they just get to keep the ball. If no goals are scored, it's painted with the name of the dignitary that threw the ball out and they get sure. to keep it, right? And they're all on display at local pubs. So the different teams have their own sort of pubs that they display them in. Committing murder or manslaughter is prohibited, as <sighs> in the other one. <sighs> Unnecessary violence is frowned upon. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I'll be a wag of the finger. And even then it's unnecessary violence. Unnecessary. Not, yeah, so, the other is condoned. Yeah. This one had to get added. We don't know what year exactly, but the ball may not be carried in a motorised vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> oh, someone's had a crack. That's right. Like, you know that's yeah. one of those rules where you go, oh, that's because someone's someone probably put it in the back of the car then mowed down 200 people. <laughs> Set the car on fire. Technically, it's in the rules. Yeah, and it wasn't unjustified violence. <laughs> the ball may not be hidden in a bag, coat, or rucksack. So they've got a fear of oh, There's been a nanny state, this a, one. A bit of thinking's been going yeah. into this. Cemeteries, churchyards, and the town memorial gardens are strictly out of bounds. But apart from nah, that... It's what the dead would have wanted. Yeah, that's how a lot of them ended up there. <laughs> <laughs> Still stay connected to the game. <laughs> So this is played over the entire town, right? So the actual two places where you need to score are three miles apart from yeah. each other. So it just rampages across the landscape, right? Everyone in the town knows whether they are an upard or a downard, and that means that there's a river down the middle of the town. Yeah. Depending on what side you're Fair born enough. on, that tells you who you're playing for. Can't transfer? No. Nah. There's no... No, nah. we'll, we'll it's the Henmore Brook, which runs down the centre. The upards are those who are north of it and the downards are those that are born south of the river. Gotcha. And that's it. They train each all year round to be fit apparently for this. And the goals are three miles apart. Both the goals are the sites of former mills. So it goes back that far. Yeah. You have to touch the ball three times on each of these mills, like go one, two, three on it. Yeah. And that counts as a goal, Pretty right? Good. And about two or three goals get scored tops. And is the there a goal celebration? Like, do you go and yeah, you get kick carried someone back in the balls? What do <laughs> 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 you do? You get carried back to the centre. Oh, yeah, on um, everyone's shoulders. It's about one a, and a half as miles. As a hero. Yeah, as an absolute hero. They don't have uniforms at all. Someone asked, how do you know? Uh, who's who? And, and one guy said, local said, born and bred, you can just tell by the face. <laughs> <laughs> People do try and come in from out of town, but they not frowned upon. It's very frowned upon. It's played over two go days on Shrove Tuesday and Ash Wednesday, starting each day at two p.m. and lasting until ten p.m. If a goal is scored before six p.m., a new ball is released and play restarts from the town centre. Otherwise, play ends for the day. Day fair. They go. That's enough. It's rarely kicked or the ball, although it's legal to kick, carry, or throw it. But generally it moves through the town in a series of hugs like a giant scrum in rugby. 
with dozens if not hundreds of people around it at any one time, right? Wow. The mills where they'd have to touch, they've been demolished, but there's millstones standing there still and you have to get into the river to touch them. So to actually score, you have to get into the river. So they've been doing that the whole time. It's very hard to do and what usually happens is because everyone knows each other, they usually decide if they get anywhere near the goal who is going to get the honour of scoring it. They've actually been the one that touches the millstone three times with the ball, which means basically if you're a tourist, you have no chance. They won't let you near it, right? But there's been people showing up at both of these games from outside with like UFC gloves on and stuff like that wanting to get involved. And so there's sort of popularity because of social media means people wanting to show up to, you know, cause trouble. So they're trying to keep them out of it a lot, right? There's no limit to the number of players on on either side. It's apparently an absolute riot, basically an organised riot. Simon Hellaby, a 46-year-old upper, he said, I've scored before. It was up there with the birth of my kids. (laughs) (laughs) All the time there's all these sort of things. A guy called Hayden Williams who's 16, he came out of one of the matches recently with a bleeding face and he was just like like a badge of honour. And he said, getting injured is an Ashbourne rite of passage. And he was asked, what will your parents say? My dad's born and bred here. He said to get stuck in. <laughs> That's good parenting. Very That's good, good Ashbourne parenting as far as I'm concerned. Well done. Apparently if you ever actually score, you are like it's free drinks for like the next year pretty much. Wow. You're just absolutely so, – now, they could get you out if that if you knew that, right? That's a good good I'll, offer. I'll, I'll get a hat trick. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be picking them from everywhere. Now, apparently the only real kind of tactics in this game is a core of hard and experienced players. They'll get in there around the ball and they try and move it basically into the creek because that's freezing. Yeah. And that sort of separates the, from from the, the men from the boys. If you get in the creek, you really want it. You yeah. want the pill. Often there's people whose roles are to be the runners around it and their yeah. job is the ball comes out, pick it up and run as fast as you can. But they will often go the two days without touching the ball whatsoever. Wonderful. Perhaps to just give you an idea of the commitment and to wrap this all up, one player, 46-year-old Will Hotwell, he's broken his leg twice playing this game. <laughs> Once in 2009 when he fell beneath the scrum and again in 2019 yeah. when he was shoved while in the river. He said, my foot was between two rocks. I heard the snap. Oi! They asked, why do you keep playing? And he said, the camaraderie. Anyway, a broken leg soon heals. There you go. <laughs> I'd get him straight back out there. Walk it off. I would get him straight back out there. And that's mob football. Is that so the three again, name them? Well, the two main ones. The two main there ones. There are smaller ones all around. And there's some in Scotland that's too called the bar game. And we might cover some of them in another time. But you've got the Atherton ball game. And the Ashbourne Royal Shrovetide football game, and they I need are, to go and see that. So it's like finding a dinosaur still alive. You know, these are the yes. These, these games were played in every village and town. There's one of these in Italy that's like that, isn't there? There's one in Italy that's like pretty much a, just a big, big all-in brawl, brawl yeah, yeah. in the mud. Teams go mad. Yep. The ball is basically superficial. Yeah, you know, people go. I want to go to the World Cup. I want to do that. I want to go and see this. Well, the pictures online uh, are amazing. Be. Like, Where do you watch it from? Are you in it? Are you kind of running can, around? Some people are around. You can sign to see. There's a lot of people that are there, but they're sort of around the periphery. Uh, uh, watching, watching it from the balcony of a hotel. There's or that too, but there's a lot of around it, but not in where the ball is. So there's a lot of crowd around that are sort of you can tell a 
watching but not. But the problem is you're in the middle of a mob. So you don't really know what could happen, right? Like it's a bit, they warn people, don't go in there. I enjoyed even that. Even if you're not in the middle of it. Can I ask you another thing? And this often happens about <laughs> halfway into one, but can we do some cheese rolling at some stage? <laughs> the ultimate sport. Because that still goes on today. We've just had one Down recently. Hill, yeah. A woman nearly killed herself. It's outrageous behaviour. It's totally outrageous behaviour. And the cheese rolling, I'd love to go to that. I'd like to be in the cheese rolling one day. You could do a whole, like, tour of these ancient sports. But the difference in England is out of this comes rugby, soccer. Correct. Gaelic football, Australian football, American football. Royal tennis. Not quite the royal (laughs) tennis. But you know why? Because... These games, because they just played once or twice a year, they were played when you weren't harvesting and in the yeah. field. The one problem with them is because it's just a group of men all holding onto the ball yeah. and pushing it as fast or whatever, all the other games, soccer and rugby and American football, all they are is attempts to bring in a series of rules so the ball just doesn't get stuck in a group. So soccer went, well, you can't pick it up. That was their solution yeah. to stopping this mob football. Rugby, it's you got to release the ball when tackled. Yeah. American football went, we'll stop. You get five chances. We'll or, stop the play yeah. altogether. Yeah. So all of those sports come from trying to stop what these guys still do <laughs> to this day because you can't play this every every week. I'm going into training. You, uh, you'll be watching that footage next year. You'll see the foot come up. You'll see me jumping off a balcony. You in the orange pants. Kicking some guy in the face <laughs> with the ball. Yeah, that's Mickey. Thank you once again, Titus O'Reilly. If you enjoy Sports Bazaar, here's a little snippet of our extra members-only program. The QR code. Talk about COVID. Talk well, how about- long till you got a phone, though? Like, before you say so the listeners know, you couldn't have survived with QR codes if they'd come in about five years well, that's ago. That's right. The assumption is you have one. How long did you try and go without a phone? I finally got a phone when my boys arrived, when I had... Right, when I had, that was what drove Up you until were. then, it was couldn't care less. When I thought, thanks a lot, Fred and Lenny, <laughs> I had thought, okay, I now probably need to be contactable. And they're the worst, required. aren't they? Because you and I, when we do these stories, we always comment off air, imagine being alive when people couldn't contact you oh. all the time. Like you could, people would say, oh, he's not in the office. I don't know where he is. And Correct. And now you can't do that. Well, you can't do that. So the phone, the mobile phone to me is like that electronic anklet they make prisoners wear so people can know where you are (laughs) at every given time of the day. People will ring me up and if I don't get back to them, they get angry. Yeah. What are you doing? What? Well, I called you. Yeah, and I chose not to call you back. But it's like (laughs) they get angry that you haven't responded to them. And also the other one. It, it manners. It's reduced manners in the world today because it's now okay to be late. So if I'd arranged to meet you, yeah. let's do a hypothetical, at the pub at 11 <laughs> and you were running 10 minutes late, now you just get your phone, sorry, running late, traffic bad, this no good, yeah. and it's okay. Yeah. But in the old days you go, if you can't contact in advance, you go, I've Agreed to be at that meeting. I, I agreed it, yeah. to meet him out the front of that stadium by Light Tower 2. I agreed to do that. And if you're not there, you're not there. Now, no one gives a shit. Yeah, no one cares. Oh, it's all in my book. It's all, <laughs> it's all in my book of modern, modern etiquette. If you enjoyed that, simply go to the link in the show notes to sign up to become a member. <laughs>